Good morning, church. How are we today? Uh, your sister in Christ, Carly, um, will be heading in at about 11 o'clock, so in about 45 minutes. Uh, I saw on Facebook today a very powerful image, and that is, I almost feel like obligated to stand up here just for the balcony people. Um, but I uh, just saw a powerful image uh, this morning on Facebook of, of uh, a photo taken last night as we gathered together as a community of believers laying, laying hands on this sister. Uh, it was taken from up over here, and uh, it just was, uh, uh, yeah, just a very powerful sight to see. And uh, I thank God for that girl. Again, I only just met her yesterday, uh, but just seeing how she's dealing with something um, that, that I think for most of us would be c- tremendously overwhelming. As one person told me last night, if the same diagnosis was told to, to them, uh, they'd be over in the corner sucking their thumb in the fetal position crying. And, and truth be told, a lot of us would, would probably handle such a situation in a similar uh, respect. But it's very powerful to me just the, the abiding presence of Christ in her life, her assurance, her joy, her happiness, and uh, just, uh, yeah, steadfastness of walking forward in faith. So we are believing and we are claiming, and, and uh, I pray that we can rejoice tonight. We ought to hear uh, shortly uh, by this afternoon the diagnosis of what exactly that tumor is, um, and so we are praying for deliverance. A uh, couple quick things. Uh, I I want to greet you. I forgot to pass this on yesterday, uh, but my dear brother in Christ, Gilbert Kanji, your youth director, it is so cold in this place. It was warm outside, ADD moment, uh, as I'm talking about Gilbert Kanji, quite an important person. But I am like chilled in this place, forgot uh, that it was cold in here, warmer tonight. Uh, Gilbert, I do have ADD. Uh, Gilbert Kanji greets you. Uh, and just greets the saints gathered here. I pray that you are honored knowing that, well, I guess he's, is, is he uh, Mauritius? All right. <laughs> yeah. Come on, bees. Uh, actually, bees was devastated because Gilbert served as the pastor of the Parramatta Church for like a week and then got called uh, to be the GC president. I think it was a little bit longer than a week. Uh, uh, but him and his wife and daughter and son, uh, just a beautiful family. And if, if you, how many of y'all know Gilbert? Do y'all know Gilbert? Who knows Gilbert? Okay, only about, I don't know, 10%, quarter of y'all. Uh, Gilbert is serving right now as the, the youth director of the World Church. A lot of his ministry has occurred here in Australia, and he is just an incredible man of God, an incredibly humble guy. I've gotten to know him through the years, and I was so grateful when he uh, was assigned the post as, as being the World Youth Director of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. It is a huge responsibility, and as a matter of fact, more on this tomorrow, but I'm going to be meeting with the theology majors, and actually anybody is invited for lunch tomorrow. Uh, again, more on that tomorrow. Uh, uh, but we're going to be discussing the kind of the future of the church. I'm going to share with you a little bit from my perspective. And Gilbert is really facing quite a bit. So uh, I just greet him, or greet you, 
in his behalf. He wanted me to pass on a greeting to you. And if you know him or think about him, please lift him up in prayer because he's got a heavy responsibility. There's a lot of turmoil within the church kind of always is like that. Whenever people are involved, we're sinners, we're broken, uh, turmoil can erupt. But as we're going to see here today in the book of Philippians, God calls us to be united. And it's through our unity, it's through our strength, it's through our faith in God and, and, and coming together as a body of believers that we actually put to shame those who are divisive, those who are backbiting, those who are slandering and gossiping, and those that are preaching a gospel that is not Con- uh, that is contrary to the life and teachings of Jesus. Uh, so I just uh, uh, lift that brother up uh, and, and want to pray for him, his wife. He's traveling all the time. His wife is lovely. Her name's escaping me right now. Rosemary, that's right. Uh, I just saw her recently. was doing a, week, a weekend in Baltimore, and uh, she came out, uh, uh, and her... her uh, their daughter, Emily, uh, has, uh, we've done ministry together uh, here on this continent. So anyway, good stuff. Uh, y'all doing well? Cool. Uh, we've got about 30 minutes, and then we're going to hit the ground uh, running. Mercy, this thing is a little bit, <clears throat> all that was planned. Uh, it was in my notes. Uh, uh, but yeah, we've got about 30 minutes. Now, here's what I'm going to do today, because I have been wrestling a little bit, seeing as uh, we're only into verse 11 and, and we've got quite a bit to go. So what we're going to do today is we're going to pick up in Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12. Uh, and instead of me just reading, extrapolating, reading, extrapolating, I'm going to just read the rest of Roman, uh, uh, sorry, the rest of Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12 through the rest of the chapter. Uh, and then lastly, before I get to that, and then I'm going to pray, uh, uh, the other thing I just wanted to mention to you guys, I just wish the balcony people, y'all come down here, make it so much easier. Cause I, I just, y'all up there, maybe, maybe you just like to like sit up on the most pompous place, <laughs> the most holy place. Look at all those peasant poor people down below. Um, <laughs> Anyway, you are welcome to join us, so forgive me if I get cut off like my noggin. All you see is the, the glean and sheen uh, 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 of the dome plate, um, so forgive me on that. Um, but yeah, the other thing I just wanted to uh, say that I haven't made mention of is that this thing is called Festival of Faith. Festival, when I hear festival, I think of like excitement, like that was supposed to be a clown juggling. Uh, but I think of things that are exciting and like, you know, something is happening. It is a festival and then of faith. So we're coming together this week, set aside to, to be festive in our faith. You are beautiful people. I am beautiful people. God has chosen us and he is calling us and has an incredible passion, desire, plan for our lives. And that is something we ought to all be excited about. And I just love that this thing is called Festival of Faith. I don't know where that phraseology came from. Uh, maybe somebody knows the history of where that came out of. Because most times when I come to a college or a university, we call it, it's called a week of prayer. 
And I kind of don't get that because we show up and, and we gather and do the same thing, but it's not, we're not like praying for a week. And so it's kind of ill-titled. But Festival of Faith is something that I just can sink my teeth in and I just love that. And, uh, and I pray if you've forgotten uh, your assignment again to listen to Chris Brown's Beautiful People, Earphones Preferable. Welcome to the Buddhist Shaolin Temple. <laughs> uh, yeah, but listen to Chris Brown's Beautiful People. It'll do you well, do your soul well. If you are uncomfortable by it, is it me or, or do I need to do any? Some, oh, there it goes. And it is gone. And it's back. <laughs> Yeah. Does it not sound like somebody has taken a glass and the annoying kid in the restaurant? Homiletics teachers, preaching teachers will always tell you never draw attention to things that are distracting. I mean, but what do you do? All right. Especially when you have ADD. Let us pray. And then I'm going to just read to you verses 12 all the way through 30. And then I'm going to break down a certain, uh, certain passages found within those texts. And then tonight we'll dive into chapter 2. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to be gathered in your name. I thank you so much for this school. I thank you for what it is, uh, what it is that you have been doing, are doing, and will continue to do. I thank you, God, uh, uh, that the, the folks from the, the Micah Mission and, and the ministry there are here today. I thank you for ADRA as well and the service that that entity is doing, the arm of, of the Seventh-day Adventist Church is doing around the world. And we just pray that your, your blessing would continue to be upon those ministries as, you, as, as they serve uh, uh, the poorest of the poor, those in need. And so may we not take our lives for granted and may, may we not be so self-centered that we lose sight of our brothers and sisters that are in need. So may we be people uh, that are like you, Jesus, embodying you and reaching out and serving those that are in need. At this time, as we open the book of Philippians and open your word, we ask that you would inspire our minds, inspire our hearts. We ask that you would speak to us. So we give you full permission to exercise your good and perfect will. May you be glorified in this place. May you be honored and lifted up. And in so doing, may you draw all people unto yourself. In your name I pray, amen. All right, Philippians 12. And again, I'm just going to read this and I'm going to try to hold my tongue and not uh, uh, make any commentary until we're done with verse 30. Let us read and let us just hear the word of God together. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. I'm sorry, I'm going to extrapolate real quick and, and commentate real quick. I confess. Uh, just so you understand where Paul is coming from. You've already heard me say this a couple times. Paul is in jail. He's been imprisoned for his faith. Uh, scholars believe, but don't know for certain that he's probably in Rome. He's writing this letter to the church in Philippi to encourage the saints in Philippi. Philippi is the very first church that Paul planted. So continuing on with that background and that knowledge, uh, uh, verse 12 here again, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, aka him being in a jail cell. Verse 13, so that 
it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of my, all of the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Verse 14, and most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Verse 15, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the what church? Gospel. The defense of the what? Gospel. Very good. Verse 17, for the former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Verse 18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Verse 19, for I know that through your prayers and the, helps, the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Side note real quick, I think of my sister Carly, and, and I just think, and as I hear these words, and I'm going to come back to this in just a minute, that this will turn out for her deliverance. Verse 20, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Verse 21, powerful statement here. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. For I am, uh, for, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Verse 23, I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart, to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. I reiterate again, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your what? Progress and your what? Joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only, verse 27, powerful, and we're going to come back to this one as well. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to you and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in what church? One spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. Verse 29 and 30, for it has been granted to, me, uh, to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Church, I just pray that as you hear the word of God, that this would speak to you, that you would see things in it, that the Holy Spirit would reveal things to you, that you would be inspired, that you could see elements of your life or see aspects of this word that would be relevant and practical to your life in the here and now. Uh, and, and bear with us on the slides. My brother's going to 
try his best to keep up, but I'm going to skip back, if you will, to verses 12 through 14, as I just do a quick shot out for my clean water provided by Avondale College in my Camelback uh, uh, bottle, and I'm just thankful for the sponsorship. I've only just recently gotten this water bottle. It's kind of a new one for me, and it's kind of fun. You just kind of, and then you suck. My 11-month daughter, my 11-month-year-old daughter, uh, she loves this bottle. She, <laughs> but we're related, so we can do that type of thing. If one of you Avondale students, you freaky people, if you try sucking on my water bottle, I punch you in the face. <laughs> All right. Please hear this now, backing up to verses 12 through 14, and I want you to hear this now. Again, I reiterate uh, and read again. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Hear this, church, and this is just a principle in the Christian realm. So when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, when Jesus is Lord of your life, you will face trials. You will face issues. This life is not an easy one. In many respects, we're living in hell on earth. The good news about the gospel is, is again, as I mentioned to you yesterday morning, Jesus prayed, um, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So by God's grace, the follower of Jesus Christ actually starts to partake and, and experience the kingdom of God in this life. That said, we're still living on Satan's playground and still tragedy and devastation happens today. And, and again, I, I, not to keep pointing our sister out, but my dear sister Carly, what she is facing today, I don't believe that that's God's will for her life. I actually believe that, that what happens in our lives is, is that as we come into this planet, God has given us freedom of choice. God is allowing, he is permitting sin to run its course. And because he permits sin to run its course, things like poverty happen, things like devastation and tragedy happen, and things like physical ailments occur to us, and death happens in our lives. That is not God's will. The Bible says very clearly, it is not my will that any should perish, but that all should have what? Everlasting life. Why does it say that? Or what does that mean for us today? Whenever you and I face death and I've faced, I've, I've experienced loved ones or friends dying, I can't explain it. Why? Because you, you and I have been created to live forever. You, you and I, when God created Adam and Eve, he didn't design them to have pain and ailment. He didn't design them for suffering. He designed them for goodness. He designed them for wholeness. He designed them for life and life more abundant. And when sin comes in, it snuffs all that out. Do you get what I'm saying? And that's why when we come into things like Festival of Faith, we delight and it's a good week because our focus is on God and we start living a life focused on God. And really we start experiencing the kingdom of God on this planet. But what Paul says here is, is I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So in other words, even though issues happen, and, and this issue with this dear sister, I'm pointing here because she was sitting over here last night. Uh, even though this is happening, could it be that this is happening to, to advance the gospel? Could it be that even in my life, just yesterday, meeting this girl, and had no one told me anything, I would have had no clue that this girl was, was facing what she's facing today. 
And in my opinion, it's scary stuff. But in hers, her faith is so strong, she just presses on. Could it be that it is happening to advance the gospel? Could it be that one of you students don't have that type of faith and don't have that type of assurance and you see your sister and it just, it conjures up something. You desire something like that and it's serving to advance the gospel. Verse 13, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest of my, and to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Verse 14, and hear this now. Most of the brothers, having become confident in the in who? In the Lord. So as this dude is up in prison, is he over in the corner, corner sucking his thumb, fetal position? No, it's advancing the gospel. People are hearing about the Lord and they are becoming more confident in the Lord Jesus Christ because of the way this dude is handling his imprisonment. And, and they are becoming much more bold to speak the word without fear. And this is how God rolls. He takes tragedy. He takes devastation. And when he shows up, People get excited about him and can't help but to proclaim him. In other words, I believe as a previous atheist who did not believe in a God, could not even conjure that there could be a God that would allow such suffering. One of the greatest attributes of God to me is how he takes tragedy and pulls out blessings. Every time he takes devastation and what we see is just complete devastation, we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But if we hold on in faith, God always, he always brings out just rainbow full of colors. And I don't get how he does that, but he does it time and time and time again. And for me, a previous atheist, that's one of the greatest attributes of God is how he can do that. But I want you to hear this too, and then we'll skip on to another section. And that is that they were speaking the word without fear. They were speaking with boldness. My friend, when God comes up into your life, you can't help but to proclaim him with a sense of boldness. There's a sense of assurance. And even if it's a mustard seed size of faith that you have, just a little minuscule seed size of faith, you still can proclaim him with assurance, with boldness. Uh, no offense, and I'm not trying to contrast, but when I was at the church where I'm now pastoring, when I went there to visit, uh, the, the pastor, when, when, he, when he came up to preach, he, he has physical ailments, so I'm not trying to make fun, but he walked up like this, and I'm not even joking. It was just like this. He just retired, so maybe it makes sense, but he walks up and he stands there and reads, reads the message. The message was actually quite a beautiful one. I was attuned to what he was saying. But there was no, no sense of assurance or no sense of, of boldness. And I would simply submit to you that when you experience the presence of God in your life, it will conjure up a sense of holy boldness that you've never before experienced. Moving right along. Uh, y'all chill out. And I just, look, I don't wear bands on my wrist. Typically, this is a side note, but Adra just hooked me up with this, and you will get this as well. Just go through uh, the booth there. And I've done the booth not here. Uh, I will do it today, uh, but, but I, I, go through the booth. You will enjoy that uh, very much. Let's skip down now, uh, if you will, with me. 
uh, please to, to um, let's pick up here in verse 21. I told you we would come back to this and I want you to hear this because this is one of those classic texts that Paul speaks, that Paul says that you have heard probably a lot of times in your life and that is this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Why is it that the early church, when we look at martyrs and people that were dying for their faith, why is it that they were able to sing while they were being burned? Now, I'll just confess to you that in my flesh, I can't fathom that, like hanging on a cross or hanging on a, or, you know, sitting there on a stake and a fire is now consuming my body. I can't imagine sitting there being able to sing during such a time. But, but early church, this has been recounted by non-biblical people, non-believers, uh, eyewitnesses that saw this happen through the course of history. And what Paul is saying here again, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Why is it to die is gain? It is simply this. This life, once again, is hell on earth. Your experience, I don't care how devout of a follower of Jesus Christ you are, you're going to experience pain and suffering in this life. You're going to experience hypocrisy because the things you want to do, you don't do. The things you don't want to do, you keep on doing. And so you find yourself in this dilemma because you keep on sinning even though you hate it. And, and so uh, uh, what, what Paul is saying here is, is to die is gain. Why? Because in death, what happens? The Bible says over 66 times, death is equated to sleep. Now, last night, I, I went to bed at around midnight uh, because some friends of mine were disobeying God's will for their life, and they were keeping me up later than I needed to be up. Uh, about 8 o'clock, I kind of start hitting my wall. Midnight, I'm drooling on myself, and it's an utter embarrassment. And then some clown, in, where I'm staying in the dorm, I'm sorry for even making such statements, but I'm on the roll, so let me just go. And then on Sunday, I board a fl- plane and fly away, and you won't see me until next time. But then sometimes there's not a next time. Uh, but in the dorm room where I'm sleeping at 6 a.m. every morning, some clown is like, the door's just automatically shut. So they're not slamming the door. The door just, sigal, just a sigal. And I, I was just terribly disappointed with the wake up call at 6 a.m. What Paul, let me get back to Paul here. What Paul is saying here is, is to die is gain is that when I went to sleep last night, I don't remember really falling asleep. I remember what I did until I fell asleep. But then when I'm asleep, I don't know what's going on. Some things, I mean, life is going on around me, but I'm not aware of it. I'm not oblivious, or I am oblivious to it. And uh, uh, that is what death is. Biblically speaking, when you die, you fall asleep. And what Paul is saying is, is the next thing he knows is that he is going to be in relation with Jesus Christ. Like the next thing he knows, the Bible says that, that when Christ returns again, the dead in Christ shall rise first. No offense to any of you that don't, don't, haven't heard this teaching or don't believe this way, but it is baffling to me how many Christian brothers and sisters who I deeply love and respect believe that when you die, you immediately either go to heaven or hell. And I I just don't really get that because when Jesus says, or the Bible says that when he comes again, the dead in Christ 
will rise first. And it would kind of suck, no offense, but if you were up in heaven and Jesus was like, yo, you're up in heaven, but I've got to go back again. I'm going to just cram you in the tomb, just hold your breath and just chill out and just pretend it's a big celebration. And then I'm going to raise you from the dead so that I can fulfill what the Bible says. When you die, you fall asleep. Sleep is very enjoyable. You're a student. You probably enjoy and covet sleep. It's a good thing. And what Paul is saying is, for me to die is gain. Why? Because on this life, it's not easy. But what did he say at the first part of that text? For me to live is Christ. And again, we're going get, to get at this on the two banners, one here and here, but especially here. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live, I, uh, which, which I'm in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And again, he says that for me to live is Christ. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ... Uh, for you to live, it is Christ up in you, working and orchestrating his good and perfect will. Do you still have your same personality? Yes. Do you still have character flaws? Absolutely. Is Christ working to redeem you and restore you into his perfect image? 100%. Is my life, the guy you're looking at now, more like Christ now than maybe when you saw me in Easter? By God's grace, the answer is yes. Can I look back over my life? And this is why I believe. I don't believe because I understand theology. I don't believe because I've got the 28 fundamental beliefs put together. I believe because I'm experiencing the living Christ up in me, working something that is above and beyond me. All I have to do is be willing. And by God's grace, it's a beautiful experience and one that I wouldn't change for the world. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Verse 21, if I, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet shall, uh, yet which shall choose, uh, mercy, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. But again, hear that verse 22. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor. This is another thing that's really appalling to me in the church. And then I'm going to skip down to verses 27 through 30 and we'll close there. This is what's so appalling to me by some of these backbiters, these slanders. And I'm not trying to keep harping on this. It just happens to be a very relevant thing in my life right now where I'm facing people that don't even know me. They don't come and talk to me. Uh, but they, they, they are saying things about me. One gentleman told the church that I'm, he, t- he teaches a Sabbath school at the church where I'm going. And, and the discussion has been told that I am Satan coming to the church. Uh, I, I have to stop and my, ask myself, where is your fruit? What is your fruit like? Because if you're some sort of freak off in the corner somewhere... And you get off by just standing off on the sidelines, slandering people and tearing people down, gossiping about people. And you know what this dude had the audacity to say to me on the phone when I called him last Tuesday? And the only reason why I called him is, is because I was like, you know what? I'm leaving the country and you're going to be at the church for the next two Sabbaths and I'm going to be absent. And if you keep slandering like this, this is divisive. You are Satan. You are the one being Satan. And I just don't get it. 
I'm sick and tired of just playing church. I'm sick and tired of hypocrisy. I'm sick and tired of like institutionalism where we raise up all these monuments and all these traditions that have nothing to do with the gospel. I am sick and tired of it. I've already told the church, my prophecy is, is that in a year's time, I told them this publicly, either A, I'll be fired or B, we'll be thriving. One or the other. But hear what Paul says here again. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor. Here's the deal. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, the spirit of God comes up in you. Uh, Go to John 15 and look at this. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you are up in me and you are connected to me, a natural derivative of that relationship is going to be fruit. I'm not trying to boast in my flesh here to you today, but I had a brother come to me last night, and this, this means the world to me. But a brother came to me last night and he said, you know what? I was at, at uh, uh, what's it called? Go, uh, Central Coast Adventist Schools. And you came and did a week of prayer. It was probably one of the single hardest. The only other harder week of prayer for me was when I went to China and was speaking to 98% Buddhist. And no one had told me that until about Wednesday, which taught me a very valuable lesson. Learn your audience. This brother came to me last night and he said, on Friday at the week of prayer, you just went off the handle. Now, I don't even remember what happened. I don't know exactly the context. He just said that that moment was a very pivotal moment in his life. He had gone to other colleges. He's a young guy, but he had gone to other colleges, but he's here at Avondale College because God showed up and spoke in his life. What is that testimony to me? I just simply, do I take honor and glory and say, wow, my glory is radiating? No, I praise God for that. And I just simply thank God for that man. I don't even know his name, but I thank God for that man because to me, that is fruit. Any follower of Jesus Christ will bear fruit. And a lot of people are bearing fruit for total destruction. And in my humble opinion, there are gonna be people in the church that will have, and this is a heavy statement to make, that will have hell to pay because it is these people that are causing divisions. I'm quoting to you from scripture now, they're worldly people devoid of the spirit. And they're causing these divisions and they're sending people away. When Christ was one that brought people in, in the droves. And I just don't get it. I don't get how these church leaders, sorry, uh, get off and get excited when they're seeing people flying away in droves. I don't get it. I think like, it's like, are we just totally missing the mark? I just don't understand it, y'all, so sorry. Let's skip down with me, if you will, to verses 27, and then we'll close here just momentarily in a few minutes. Y'all, just get into the gospel, please. Just read this stuff. I mean, I, excuse me. I consider it a great joy. It is a huge honor. I got in the car with my boy Gibbo last night, and I just said, brother, I just, I just can't tell you how much I love preaching the gospel. I love preaching this stuff. I would do this all day long. I would stand in here and do this. Maybe we'll do that. Where's everybody going? Um, 
I just love, I love being with the body of Christ. I love being with church people. I love being, there's no other place that I would rather be than hanging out with the body of Christ. Do you know why? Because when I get disassociated with the body of Christ and I'm alone in my own, own isolation and own solitude and I'm wallowing around in my own issues and everything else, that's where I sin. That's where I blow it. That's where I go off the deep end. When I'm around the body of believers, my soul is encouraged. My life is encouraged. I, I just love it. And that's why the, con- the contrast of what, what all too often churches become when people are dr- driven away, I just don't get it. I do not get it. And these people that celebrate that we're the remnant church, if you think you're the remnant church, really that ought to be the most humbling, sobering statement you've ever made. If you really believe that you're part of the remnant people, which I believe you can proclaim by God's grace, but don't, don't proclaim it because you became a member of a certain denomination. I mean, my gosh. All right, let's continue on here. Verse 27, and just hear this, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave you guys. Um, maybe we'll, we'll close there uh, um, in verse 28, but just hear this. Only church, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, don't take the man for, vain, in, in, for granted. Don't take Jesus in vain. Let your life be worthy of the gospel. What does that mean? I'm not, I don't have all the answers to exactly what that means, but I c- can tell you some characteristics of that. When you understand the gospel and what it is that Jesus offers you, you can't help but to rejoice in him. You can't help but to delight in him. Uh, you desire, you start to have a hunger and thirst for more of him and less of yourself. This world is paramount. When you come into relationship with Jesus Christ, you're saying, you know what? Have I had fun in the world? Yeah, I've, I've tasted fun. I've tasted joy. I've had some good times. But in contrast or in comparison to my life with Jesus Christ and what he's offering, it pales in comparison. And so he's coming to you saying, let your life uh, be, let the, your manner of life be worthy of the gospel so that whether I come to you and see you or am absent, Paul is saying to the church in Philippi, I may hear of you that you, Avondale College, are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That is a powerful statement. Uh, coming back to my brother Gilbert Kanji, I wasn't planning on sharing this, um, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to close there in verse 27, and we'll pick up in chapter 2 tonight. Gilbert is facing a lot, of, a lot of trials right now because some church leaders are going in one direction um, that is very, and, and I'm speaking in, in generic terms, I'm happy to dialogue with you on this, but it's very um, uh, behavioralistic. It's a, it's a gospel that focuses on your behavior. It focuses on your dress code, the music you listen to, the food you eat which when you read the scripture, you're going to be hard-pressed to back that up. Um, Gilbert is facing church leadership that is tearing down his employees, the youth directors of the, the global church, and lifting up non, non-employees as the standard, a.k.a. you may have heard of an um, institution called the GYC. Uh, do I celebrate the GYC? I actually do, because I think it's outstanding. Even the birds celebrate the GYC. Uh, I think it's outstanding when young people... Are y'all aware of the GYC? All right. Uh, no hands, but... Yeah. I don't want anybody to know I'm aware of the GYC. 
I celebrate the GYC, but do you know, because of the goodness, when there is good fruit that comes out of any institution, I celebrate that. Just as Paul said there, what then? Only that in verse 18, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed in that I rejoice. At the GYC, when Christ is proclaimed, I rejoice. When legalism and behavioralism is trumpeted and freaks get up and tell you that the drumbeat, quote unquote, the drumbeat is the signature of Satan, are you kidding me? That stuff is just, I I just don't get where people are coming. Do you know what Gilbert is doing? He's pulling in the leadership of the GYC. He's pulling in uh, some leaders. He brought myself into this group uh, uh, to come to the table. Why? Because of this. That he may hear and that God may hear that we are standing firm in one spirit, in one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. My church friend today, uh, I pray that you would find in me a spirit that is desiresome for unity, that unites with Christ as the head, we as the body. And I pray that, that if, if there's anything in my life where you can call me out, I give you full permission. I really do. And I, I ask you to come to me, reason with me. This brother that I called on the phone the other day, he told me, well, no one had the opportunity to talk to you. I said, brother, my phone number is in the bulletin. Everywhere I go, I give my email out, my website out, my phone number is on my way. I don't know how much more available I can make myself. I stood at the church from 9 until 6 p.m. You never came and talked to me. May we be people that are about unity. May we be people that are one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. May that be our testimony here at Avondale College. May that be our testimony as the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And at this time, I invite you to stand with me and we'll close with prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the book of Philippians. I thank you so much for the faith of Paul. I thank you so much for that day, that faithful day that you interceded in his life, revealed yourself to him, and and that he chose to surrender all and follow you. I thank you for those of us in this room right now who have had an experience with you. You've revealed yourself to us, and we saw the gospel, and, and we decided to surrender all. May we be people that are of one mind, of one unity. With you as the head, we are the body. May we get into the gospel. For those of us who the gospel is foggy, it's unclear, may we start to unpack it. May it become a focus in our life. May we proclaim it. May we understand it. May you, Lord Jesus, abide in us richly and afresh even this day. May you forgive me of anything that I've said here today that would be considered slandering. That is not my desire. I desire simply to serve you, to know you, to be guided and directed by you. Um, I desire so much to see you face to face, God. I really want to see you face to face. I thank you so much for this school and the students and the faculty that are here gathered and our guests here today as well. Continue to guide and direct us. The gospel in the scripture is referred to a mystery May that mystery keep us intrigued as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name, amen.